Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, so we're going to go in three, two, one. Lions Lounge Lockdown, episode 53, Aidan Davison. Aidan, thanks for joining us, mate. Pleasure, mate. Happy to be here. Over there in living the American dream these days, aren't you? Yeah, moved out here uh, 2008 when I retired from playing from Colchester. Um, then my wife, American wife, she always wanted to you know, get back to the US and bring the kids up over here. So we came out in 2008, lived here ever since, you know. Mm, lovely, um, mate, lovely. So, yeah, hey. You're saying a few games of golf here and there, why not? Well, I'm from the northeast of England where you freeze your bollocks off. Um, so now I enjoy the sunshine in Florida and I, it's like, I'm over that cold stuff, man. <laughs> Why not, mate? We've got, um, I think you're the fifth or sixth goalkeeper we've had on. A lot of goalkeepers from your time as well. Brian Ong's been on, Casey Keller uh, has been on. Yeah, lots of Tony Warner. Oh. Yeah, a few, few decent goalkeepers, but um, we winded it back first off when you just said the northeast. You came yeah. through the ranks at Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, I left school uh, like everybody did then, early, like 16, went to Newcastle. Uh, I think it was like the YTS game in those days. You remember that YTS stuff? So yeah. um, that was like my first real taste of like a professional club, you know? And uh, I don't remember those days. I used to have a big that blue star that they used to have on the chest. I'm like, oh, that's yeah, the bollocks, yeah. that. Even though I was secretly a Sunderland supporter. But um, yeah, I did, I did a year there. That was the year when... Uh, New, Newcastle won the uh, Youth Cup so all the donuts like me would play in all the league games and then the top top lads would play in the FA Youth Cup like the Ian Bogies, Paul Stevensons mm. um, Gary Kelly was the keeper um, Jeff Wrightson so Brian Tinian that was a good team that won the FA Youth Cup you know but I found myself playing all the league games Fair enough I mean, you got on the anyway you got in, in uh, not the club but you end up in non-league is that right? Yeah, I got released. Um, I was telling a story the other day about Willie McFaul when he took over um, as the as the gaffer. Basically, uh, I got told, hey, listen, son, you're not good enough, you're shite. So uh, I saw Willie many, many years ago when I was with Northern Ireland. He was the assistant manager. And I said, hey, Willie, do you remember me? I was a skinny a skinny bastard with a funny haircut. And he's like, I ah, do I? I said, well, you said I was shite then. 
He said, I remember that. And you still shake now. I said, lovely. Thanks. Thanks a lot. That's brilliant. I love you too, Willie. Thanks. Great confidence on that. But I, so um, yeah, I went to non-league for two years. Really enjoyed it. You know, it was um, proper old school graft. And uh, that's where you learn your trade, really. I really, that, that shaped me, really. Team called Billingham Symphonia or something. It sounds, it sounds like a disease. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it was a team in uh, like the Stockton area, well, Billingham. And Gary, I think Gary Pallister played for them, you know, when he was a young one. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of decent players come through that, like, system, you know. I mean, it, it, you know, in those days, you didn't have the fancy academies. So a lot of lads played junior football and got into, like, the local youth setups. Mm. You know, and that that would springboard you into the pro levels. But uh, aye, the decent non-league teams in those days. Yeah. yeah. So, what was your job at this point? What was you doing for work? Like, was you? Oh, I was um, I was grafting in a, a brickyard. So uh, there's a. I said to my mate, I said, listen, if we don't get jobs, we're going in the army. He's like, yeah, I'm with you all day long. Anyway, he gets a job the next day. So I said, I'm still going to go in the army, mate. Bollocks to this. Um, and he said, well, I can get you a job at the brickyard. I'm like, all right, let's go. Oh, my God. Have you, do you know how to make bricks? Uh, no, I used to be a builder, though. It looks like cold, hard work. I've, I've never realised this, but you take this, like, what's it almost like, uh, shale. You stick it on a hopper top, right? And there's, like, uh, I used to have, I've got big feet. So I used to stand on the hopper and I wouldn't fall through it, this, like, uh, mesh on top. And then you got to smash it through this, you know, through these little holes with this huge melama. And it was unbelievable. So I was outside, healthy, getting fit, smashing the shale up in a brickyard through like winter and everything. That might sound ridiculous, but that's how you made bricks. It went down and off they went through the process. But so I'd spend all day outside just grafting manually. And then yeah. nighttime, I'd, I'd, end, I'd go to training, you know. When you're so, doing uh, that, you're thinking, I'm smashing these, I'm not smashing these bricks forever. Like I'm doing this, like you just said, to stay strong. Get keep me shaped yeah. get back into the game. Yeah, I always I always knew that I had a chance of, you know, because I worked hard. I was always I don't think I was blessed with talent, but I always worked really hard and uh had a good work ethic. So I always thought if I get an opportunity uh, in football, I'm gonna grab it and I'm gonna run with it. So I always fancied myself to get there, to get to that point, you know. Mm. Um and the brickyard, I really enjoyed the brickyard, I tell you, some great lads there, and I'm still in touch with them. Um, and they all supported me through my career, and uh, I've got fond memories of that. But I was fit as a fit as a fiddle doing that all day, and then at night time okay. going training, you know. And you end up you end up at Notts County, is that right? I only, only played once. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got offers to go on trial at Sunderland. Did went and played a reserve game. I think it was some like Leeds away, and I let in six goals. I was absolutely sh- shite. <laughs> So I got home and said to my grandma, I think that's done. She says, hi, I'm not surprised. You are shite. Everyone's telling me I'm shite. <laughs> so the next thing was um, Redden called me, asked me to go down on trial. I says, I okay. But then John Barnwell called me from not from Notts County. And I'm thinking, that wasn't as far away from home then, you know, from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Went down, really enjoyed it. Enjoyed him. He's a top fella, classy fella. Um, and I signed a two-year deal on absolutely shite money. And uh, it was like I was making less money then as I was working uh, in the brickyard and playing non-league football. De- money was decent in non-league then. So I always wanted to be a pro and uh, signed a two-year day with Notts County. But uh, it was really hard to break through. One of the keepers there at the time was a fellow called Mickey Leonard, an older, experienced keeper. And um, 
you know, I was just learning my trade. I was raw, so raw, you know, ridiculous at times, but I just had great energy and I was, I was passionate, which probably got me through the early stages. So mm. I certainly wasn't great technically, you know? Mm. So, so why the only one performance for Notts, Notts County? Um, well, I got myself in a bit of bother. I was, um, I think it was the Tuesday night. We went into Nottingham just for a few pints in those days. Again, that was like the, the drinking culture. Yeah. I was with Ian McParlin, Tommy Johnson, who was a kid at the time. Um, probably Mickey Leonard and a few other lunatics. Um, anyway, somebody said something to me. And I'm like, well, I'm, where I'm from, like you, you just, you know, you smash yeah. someone. So I went bang. Anyway, next thing you know, I'm in the back of the police van. I'm going to the jail. I'm thinking, oh, bollocks. I'm, I'm supposed to be playing on Saturday making my debut. Um, Neil Warnock would just took over as a gaffer, comes and bails me out of jail, just looks at me like, what are we doing here? I'm thinking, oopsies. Uh, uh, okay. Anyway, he straightened me out a little bit, had a chat with me, and he says, you're playing Saturday, so you owe me, so sort your shite out. So anyway, I did all right. It was my debut. It was on, do you remember that plastic pitch? Oh, my God. Press yeah. Oof, awful. How was that Unbelievable. Tracky Bottoms um, for you that day or not? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tracky Bottoms, the full Monty. Yeah, they even put like a bit of sand down to like, tee the ball off for your goal kicks. In those days, you just took yeah. a big run at it. Um, but anyway, I think we got beat 3-1. And uh, Neil just says, listen, nah, not for me. I said, I ain't, but that's fine. So that was that. That was game over. You know, I left. I don't know how long after. Um, and then Sam Ellis took me to Bury. So... Uh, that was the end of the Notts County thing, but didn't have any issues with Neil, mm. you know, none at all. It was just a professional thing and off you go, you know. Yeah, yeah, because I see mm. you had a few loan deals. You went to um, um, Blackpool. You went a few had loads. I was thinking, what, what was the deal when you finally found your way to the den in 1991? Was you a free agent? Was you... Well, I always thought, get on loan as many places as I could just to try and get as much experience as I could. Yeah. Um, just to try and broaden me you know, my knowledge, because again, I was raw. And in those days, you didn't really have a goalkeeping coach per se, you know? So I'm like, yeah. you know, I need to just keep moving and, and, and try and find myself. So really it was Millwall. I, I got my breakthrough. Um, I was at, at the end of contract at Bury and um, I spoke to Bruce. He'd just taken over at the time. And it was, Millwall was going through a transitional thing, wasn't it? You know, he was trying mm. to change it and bring in maybe some younger legs. So he said, come down, do pre-season with us. So I did. Um, and I think we went to Aberystwyth then. Oh, dear, oh, dear. We used to do like a four-mile run on the beach. In those days, the keepers would run the same as the lads. But you'd normally start pre-season. You'd get off the aeroplane on the Friday night, and then you might be in on a Saturday or the Monday or whatever, and you've got like a donkey under your arm, you know, and you beat them out bear. You know, you'd, you'd basically come from holiday, and you, next thing you know, you're in pre-season. So the game's completely changed. It's completely changed. And I remember going to Aberystwyth with, you know, the Rhino, who was breathing out his ass running down the beach. He just got off a plane from Marbella, I think. He's, like, still pissed. And I'm running past him on the beach. He's like, will you fucking slow down? You're taking the piss, aren't you? I'm like, I'm just trying to fucking get fit, man. You know what I mean? He's like, well, fucking slow down. You can't be beating me. You're a fucking keeper. You're a donkey. So that was, like, a little bit of a learning curve. But, yeah, that was a good pre-season, Aberystwyth. We learned a lot there about each other. And, um... Did all right in the pre-season, so Bruce offered me a, a deal, you know, a couple of year deal. Mm, and cool. uh, that, that was, I started playing there, and I, that was really when I started to find out about myself, you know, and playing league football. Yeah, 
going back to the thing you said about Bruce, has there any dealings with him in football before this point? Because I'll be honest with you, not many people um, get slagged off on this podcast, but a lot of the players from that time didn't speak well of Bruce Rehock. <laughs> but obviously you played under him again later on, so you obviously got on. So it would be good to hear some good stuff about him, if I'm honest. No, I mean, in the end, we had a fallout, but again, for me, it's just professional. It wasn't a personal thing. Yeah. He, I, I got on with him. He was very disciplined, and I didn't mind that. Like I say, I was going to go in the army. It's like, I don't mind a bit of discipline. I like that. Um, but I know how to enjoy myself. And he, he sort of helped me with regard to some of the issues in my life. You know, it was like, I was brought up with grandparents, so my upbringing was a little bit, you know, not perfect, but mm. he was like a father figure. But if you crossed me, it absolutely fucking do you. Like, do you? And, and even in, I remember the five sides where we used to train at uh, New Eltham. We used to play on this, like, perfect five-a-side thing on a Friday. We weren't allowed to go on it any other day. And he would top some of the players. Like, if he didn't like it, he just fucking top you. I'm thinking, fucking hell. He's just gone over the top on, like, uh, whoever. I don't know, fucking one of the lads. And I'm thinking, we're playing tomorrow. Yeah. But that's, that's how he was. He was competitive. Um, and he was like that as a player. But I, I had no issues with him, even though he fucked me off at Bolton Wanderers. Eventually, I, it's not a personal thing for me. It was just a professional thing. Mm. So I got on well with him. But if you crossed him, he'd, he'd fucking have you, like. Yeah, well, that's the manager yeah. in the pre-season, sorted. When you eventually got to South London, what was your first impressions of the club, the area, um, your teammates? Because I think that's the first time you... Oh, no, you've been on loan at Leighton Orient previously, but this is your first yeah. place of, like, a long term in the, in the capital. Exactly. Um I, I like I fell in love with the Millwall thing because it was like work proper working class club. And you know, it was like the banter was just what I was used to from like you know, like a mining town, but down there you've got dockers and all that, but just proper working class. And it, it just it fitted for me, you know. It just mm. it, everything fell into place. It was the first time I'd really been in London living there, and you can get yourself in a bit of trouble. But I tell you what. I've got not not got a bad thing to say about any of the Millwall punters at the time. They were outstanding. If you'd see in a bar, they'd look after you. They, you know, they're always kind. Because you can get yourself in a bit of trouble down there, especially the Old Kent Road where we used to go down drinking. Yeah. You know, it can it can be a bit naughty, especially for a lad who's got a weird accent like me. But always well looked after, you know. And um, I, I've got great memories of that. Not just the football, but the the social side of it. Yeah. You know, well, I said to you, like. Um... Strange one. We said we spoke about this off air because you said, you know, come down and now you're back in the team with Ian Bogey and Paul Stevenson. Did that they help you in that transition down into into London? Um, I didn't know them that well at Newcastle, like I say, we used to cross paths a little bit, but like they were they were sort of brought out to play in the uh, the youth cup. Um so I didn't know them that well, but I just I, I had banter with them in the northeast lads. Um it was just, uh, I don't know, it just worked. Like, Bruce was good for me. And um, I don't remember Tom Wally, got on well yeah. with Tom Wally. You know, he's in charge of the youth team. He was absolutely brilliant. Loved, loved Tom. And, um, you know, some really, really top characters as well in the dressing room, like Rhino and Alan McCleary. McCleary. Um, and they helped you, guided you, you know. Because I was 23, I think. And I suppose that's young for a keeper then. And uh, yeah. the, the older heads would look after me. What about, you just said then about your good dressing room, what about Steve Harrison? Was he there at that point or had he already been sacked? Oh, aye, Harry was there. Aye. Aye. You've got some great stories on him, absolute lunatic. 
Yeah, what a what a fucking great coach though. But yeah, oh, yeah we've, heard, we've heard that as well. Like brilliant coach, but did both no. sides. I like, had, had the crack with the boys, but great coach. We heard about him rolling down oh. hills into ponds and everything, like falling downstairs yeah. in hotels. Absolute full on lunatic. But like we'd be having a cup of tea in the like the, the cabin before, and then we're looking out the window right to go out training. I'm like, what the fuck the hell is that out there? Fucking Harry would have like a fucking uh like overalls on and he's pushing the lawnmower cutting the grass. We're going, is, is that Harry? Yeah, it is. He's like, just like cutting the grass. I'm like, what the fucking hell's he doing? He's fucking mental. He was just very unique with regard to like, you know, his, uh, his personality, but fucking great coach. No, I was going to say, but in the end, he obviously he fucked Bruce off. So, yeah, bye, bye. yeah, John Goodman told us that story. So you haven't got to retell it. <laughs> oh, oh, John Goodman, what a lad. Great yeah. lad. Elvis, great man, great man. I was going to say to you, like, obviously, teammates you was close with. Also, it's, it's a random one I always ask, is because obviously, I say we saw the football and stuff, but I like to know because obviously, no social media. Then, what was your living situation at the time? Did you lodge in with someone or did you marry? Um, no, no, I wasn't married. I met my wife at that time down there, but um, uh, the club had a flat in Beckenham High Street above a sports shop, and uh, I moved in there with John McGinley. Right. Uh, which I'm not sure that was a good thing because McGinn just got a ACL season. Big Alan, um, fucking, what's his name? I can have got dementia here. Uh, Centre half, Gillingham. Just oh, Alan Walker, have, Alan Walker, yeah. Yeah, walks went through the back of him in a pre season, smashed them all over. So I actually had lived with McGinn, but we were upstairs in the upstairs flat. So McGinn's got his leg in a fucking cast and he's got crutches. And obviously going through a bad time emotionally because you're fucking injured. So I had to carry him upstairs, piggyback him upstairs every day. Fucking, and then downstairs, I'm like, this is bollocks, this. And then if he wanted to go for a pint, I had to then go and get him from the boozer because he couldn't walk up the street. So I'm like, fuck, you know. So that got old quickly, but um, yeah, yeah, that was good times back in the my street. Yeah. Yeah, still a good night out now, mate. What other players would you would you close to me if you went out? So obviously, as you said, there was a bit of a big drinking culture at this point. Yeah, um, in football across the ball, not just at Millwall. Was just was it was no, it was, was what it was then, wasn't it? It was everywhere. It was rugby, cricket. I mean, it was the same thing. It was everybody. It was just a drinking culture, especially when you're from working class background. Yeah. Um, Alan McCleary, Rhino would take us like to places like in London, like where they're new, like proper old school. Um, and then some of the newer players who came in, like Alex, um, Malcolm Mallon. Um, McGinn was always fucking close by, you know. Those are the lads who'll be on the out on the source, so I'd sort of tag along and try and stay out of trouble, but I wasn't very good at that. <laughs> did you say, oh, so I watched you on uh, under the cosh uh, the other day, or well, this morning actually? Uh, did you go to Terry Erlock's pub? Was that right? Yeah, Macker and uh, Rhino took us up there. Mm. Yeah, he'd like- left, he left, oh, top class, top class bloke. Um, but I think he just left before I got there. Like Bruce was trying to like, you know, get some of the older heads out. Mm. And um, so Rhino was like, yeah, let's go. We're going to have a couple of pints with my mates. I'm like, where are we going? So anyway, goes in there and that's proper boozer. Proper bloke, really enjoyed his company, you know. Mm. Um, just uh, listen to stories. And uh, that, that's, it was like a, a new experience for me. You know, being in the smoke, as he called it. It was yeah. great crack. Yeah, proper. <laughs> Even the players bar at Millwall at that time at the, the old den was like, fucking hell, who's that over there? What the fuck's that over there? It was a bit, yeah. 
could oh, be a bit naughty. Yeah, as well. Like, yeah, Rhino used to stock the bar, didn't he? Oh, yeah, he was in charge of it. He had to go down so, to macros and come back with a crust. Yeah, it was unbelievable. So he was in charge of it, him and Macca, and they were in charge of who went in, who didn't go in, how many people went in. And uh, I think they, they, everything went in their pocket. But, oh, that was a quality bar, that. After the after the game, you'd meet some right fucking characters in there. You're like, fuck, who's that over there? Oh, brilliant, brilliant. brilliant. We spoke a lot about the boogie, <clears> but obviously in your first season at the club, 38 appearances. Mm. Player of the season, am I correct in saying that? Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, everything fell in place. Mm. I think we finished mid-table, but we should yeah, have we been a lot, lot higher with that team. That's a good team, man. Some good players in that team. And, um, you know, I just, I just, it made sense to me. Like, you know, I was finding my game, playing well, you know, confident, coming to it and crosses. And um, I was just in a good place. And I tell you what fucked me up, that back pass room. <laughs> you remember that? What's that? Heck, you know, that the back pass rule came in in 92. Oh, yeah, the back pass rule, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so all the old school keepers are like, like you'd go to pick it up and yeah, then you'd yeah. realise at the last seconds it was like, wait, you can't pick it up and fucking disaster. And then the, you're giving away like indirect free kicks in your box and the lad's like, are you fucking all right? You're like, well, you know, you're programmed to pick the fucking ball up. <laughs> um, and that's when, that's when Casey came, Bruce brought Casey in. And to be fair to Casey, I ain't got a problem with Casey. It was like he he adapted far more better than I did to the back pass rule. So he was more consistent. I was like, okay, and it was like a Tourette's moment. I'm like, whoa, hey, whoa, whoa. So, you know, he, he he got it. But some of the old, I remember playing against Bob Boulder and like he picked it up about four times. And I'm like going like this, fuck you now, what are you doing? It's just funny. Like, it, you know, you've done it all your life, so you're like, you can't do it. But yeah, and anyway, then obviously so, now like goalkeepers are trained to play with their feet, but back then, not so yeah, much. Yeah, you no, no, absolutely. But it would have been nice to have, like, say, you know, well, in two years' time, we're going to bring in the back pass through. Not like overnight, go bang. You're like, <laughs> so it was like a comedy of errors. If you watch the games, then the indirect free kick in your box, you're going, oh, this is bollocks. Oh dear. But anyway, good times. Do you remember your first? Obviously, your first game, your debut. I think it was Middlesbrough away, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. I think so. Ayrson Park in those days, um, which I used to go watch them as well when I was young. Um, I think we, we I think we lost one nil. But yeah, good time. Obviously not losing, but just making my debut and the championship level as well. Football was good. I'm like, this is great. Absolutely yeah. great. It was and, funny because um, I, was, I, was like, I was about 10 or 11 <clears> at the time <throat> and we had Brian Orn and then I think Keith Brannigan <clears throat> came. And when you yeah. came, because because I was a kid, like 10 years old, and there was no social media or not a lot going on on TV, I couldn't really tell the difference as a kid between Brian Orn and Keith Brannigan. <clears throat> they have a similar stamp, similar yeah. looking. And then I remember when you was there, I, like, I preferred you playing because I knew which one you was, because you was the big tall mm. one with a curly, curly yeah, barnet. Yeah, that haircut. Top, <laughs> that's a top haircut. That, I think it was like a mullet. Shocker. Um, yeah, Brian Orn was like England keeper. Branny was going through a tough time with injury. Um, and then I, obviously I saw Branny later in Bolton but mm. um, yeah Branny was suffering with an injury uh, Horny was solid keeper you know had a, had a great career and then I don't know I think he struggled with a calf injury at the time and I got in and then I stayed in yeah um, and I was I was playing decent football I was in you know, good form like you say until that well, until the tw- well this is what I've got <laughs> Oh, the, well, not the back pass. I've got written down here, 26th of October, 1991. 
In a 2-1 oh, yeah. home defeat to Derby, you go off in the 78th minute, so I'm assuming, <laughs> with an injury. Oh, that was a... oh, I remember Ian Ormondroid, corner, uh, got smashed. And then I remember getting up going, oh, hello, that fucking hurts. Left-hand side was like, like a knife in me. So I'm like, that doesn't feel right. And I, I've, looked, I've watched the video, and I've, since I got smashed, there was 30 minutes, and, um, and then I couldn't move. Someone gave me a back pass, and I I'd actually went out for a corner. And they looked at me going, what the fuck are you doing? I'm like, I can't move. So took me off. I walked off. I'm not fucking getting carried off. Never been carried off in my life. I walked off. Doc had a look. He's like, nah, hospital, let's go. Anyway, turns out I had a collapsed lung. But it, it fully deflated in that 30 minutes. Now, I don't know if you've ever had a collapsed lung, but it fucking wow. hurts. Fucking well, I've had a couple. No, it's a shocker. And once it fully deflates, now you're only working on one lung. You can't even, like, get up the stairs. You can't do anything, like the small tasks. So, anyway, that was it. In that was you now on John McGinley's back up the stairs this time. McGinn would never carry me anywhere, that bastard. Selfish bastard. <laughs> so, anyway, yeah. So, they took me in, and it wouldn't it wouldn't heal, so they sliced me open. And in those days, there was no, like, real uh, keyhole. So, I've got this huge, like, 12-inch gash on my back where they sliced me open, pull the ribs, stick the, the lung to the top of the cavity mm. and then st stitch you back up. So I was out about 12 weeks with that. Yeah. Yeah, that while. And then obviously you come back in. First game back was in January, a 4-0 win against Huddersfield. Um, oh. The week after, that was in the FA Cup, the week after um, was a 6-2 defeat away at Sunderland at Roker Park. Oh, fucking hell. That was a shocker, that one. That was like a second result for a manager that, you know, it, it was under pressure then. And I oh, felt yeah, really, really yeah. bad about it. Yeah, I felt bad because at the end of the day, players get fucking managers sacked, don't they? You know, so, you know, you take responsibility. But I remember being at that game and uh, it was like, it went quiet for a couple of minutes in the game. And I used this shout of, when I was at school, I used to have this nickname called Oddbod because I had a fucking weird haircut and my teeth hadn't grown into my head. So I was like, so this, this lad from like, I, I easily shout, oh, boy. I'm thinking, oh, fuck, that's someone I know from school. So I like just turned around like this and looked, and he went, fuck you, you want I'm like, because I was playing for Millwall. Even though I was a Sunderland supporter, you know what I mean? It was like, fuck you. I'm like, oh, thanks a lot, thanks. Nice to see you. But yeah, that was an absolute fucking pump on that 6-2. Well, this is the thing. <sighs> you got back into the side. Did you come back in as soon as you was fit or had Keith Brannigan been playing well so you had to sort of wait your time? Because this is the thing. Obviously, I played at a non-league level and I was competing once against another goalkeeper and he wanted to be my best mate and I didn't want to talk to the fucker. Because, I, it, no, there's one shirt as a goalkeeper and it's not like two strikers you possibly can come on. In that day, yeah. you wouldn't even travel, would you? Because it wouldn't have had, only had two on the bench. Like, how do you find that as a whole? Like, do you accept I never had a like, problem. Fuck you, Keith, I want your shirt. Don't try and be me, mate. No, well, you don't make it. You're training together every day. So yeah. you're grafting together and you've got to serve each other. You know what I mean? And, so you always want to do the best for the other, for the keeper. So I'm not saying you don't want to play, but I certainly wouldn't want to sabotage a fucking training session or say you're a prick. It's like you just get your head down and graft. Mm. I just remember Branny at the time. He was, he, I think, he was struggling with a bit of confidence, and he wasn't as consistent as he then. I saw him at, at Bolton Wanderers. Oh, he was yeah. like a different keeper at Bolton. I mean, I struggled to get in front of him at Bolton. It was fucking ridiculous, but. It, and that just goes to show it doesn't always work at a particular club. So, you know, Branny was struggling. I got back in the team. 
And, um, you know, I went from there, but. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. We never had any issues like Horny. I never had problems with Brian or fucking Branny or even Casey. I wouldn't say we're best mates. I used to run with Casey, but, you know, I, I had no issue with him. I'm going to get on to that later about, the, you know, your, your position at the club when you eventually left because off the back of player of the season and then starting the new season, bringing Keller in. But I will <clears> talk about that later. We'll go back to the game. You just said a 6-2 pumping at Sunderland is almost a sackable offence. Not long after, Bruce did lose his job. A 6-1 defeat of White Pompey. Uh, using goal that day as well. Sorry, mate. Yeah, I know. I know. That was... Oh, fuck. Yeah, we were hemorrhaging. That, that, I mean, six goals is like hemorrhaging. So, you know, that's a confidence thing as well and we're just suffering. Um, I do remember a little bit about that game, yeah. Fuck, you know. God almighty. Long trip home, that. He got sacked just after that, you said. I don't remember that when he got done. Apparently, it was the next day. You were winning on the Monday or the Monday and he got he got sacked. Yeah, but obviously, a lot, a lot of people, uh, a lot of the players that have been on and spoke for themselves, I'm not speaking on their behalf, mm. were delighted that he went. And of course, there was a there was rumor of a player revolt led by Mick McCarthy, who ended up taking over as the gaffer. Would, would you remember about that period? I don't know if there's a revolt. I know, I know some people you either love him or hate him. I think with Bruce, um, he'd probably accept that as well. Um, and I know a lot of lads weren't in love with him. Um, yeah, I just remember Big Mick taking over and Mick was one of the lads. He was, you know, solid, straight talker, black and white. So he, he gets the gaffer's job and um, 
off he goes. That was his first crack at it, you know. And mm. the, the players responded to it. He, he had his own ideas, which was fine. He, 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 you know, you knew what he wanted to do, but um, you know, I don't. There wasn't. I don't think there was a player revolt. No. Did, just, you have an, you know, did you have an individual chat with you about what, what he wanted? You know where you stood with him at the club, or no, not really. I mean, like I say, Casey got in front of me with a back pass thing. I was struggling with it, and I think uh, Mick just fancied him more. Which again, it's just a uh, you know, it's business. End the story. Mm-hmm. I didn't fall out with Mick anyway, shape or form. You know, I was and I like I like Mick. I got no problem with Mick at all. You know, I've seen him on the circuit loads of times. I always shake his hand and look in his eye. You know, no problem with him. But um, yeah, well, he did a good job when he took over, didn't he? I mean, that's the end of that. So yeah. well, yeah, yeah, he's still going there in management, but. No, I know he's. I think uh, he's did, in his did he prove himself? Like, obviously, it must have been difficult for him as well as 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 a player. And all of a sudden, because I, I think Malcolm Allen, yeah, he did. Malcolm Allen said he joined on the same day as Mick, and I was in the same hotel. So then, mm-hmm. so obviously now, boys, maybe you know he can't go out, can he? Can't can't be on the piss and things like that. He's got you got to call him Gaffer. Uh, you know, it must have been strange time for him as well. Do you know what I mean, or a transitional one? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but he, he grabbed it and grasped it and got on with it. Like, and Mick, you were all. You know, Mickey's come out and have a bay with us. There wasn't a problem with that. So he knew we were all, you know, having a, a good time. Um, that wasn't an issue either. As long as you got the work done and you, you know, you produced, he didn't really care, you know. Yeah, yeah. I put it out there to um, obviously on social media coming on. And Alex Ray messaged me and said, ask him about his trip oh. to Glasgow. Oh, fuck no. That's when he was getting married. Um, I decided to drive up there with my, at that time, wife. So in those days, I didn't, didn't even think I had a mobile phone. So we lost. So I asked this, I, wrote, I said, I will ask roll the window down. I said, ask this fella, he's fucking postman. He'll know where this hotel is. So she sticks the window down. She says, excuse me, mate. Uh, we're looking for the so-and-so hotel. He turned around, postman, fucking hammered. Couldn't even walk straight. That was my introduction to Glasgow. And he put his head in the car, like almost fell in the car. And he was like, fucking stinking. Like, Jesus, what on earth? He's got his fucking bags with his letters. And I'm going, he's never delivering those. Anyway, we turns up, finds the hotel eventually. And um, Alex is there in good form. A few of his mates. I'm like, oh, this is going to be an interesting one, this one. And it was just a fucking absolute fest of drinks and uh, good banter. And then Alex and his mates decided just to line up in the row and all the girls who stood there and they all left the kilts up and the bollocks are hanging out. No one's wearing any underpants. There's dicks. I'm going, what the fuck is this circus? So our last is going, is that normal? I went, fucking apparently. So <laughs> that was the intro. Our last went, oh, this is interesting. But anyway, that was that was a fucking good wedding. A good night out as well. Yeah. Mm. Sounds sounds amazing. It was his like best man that weren't like a player or something. Was it one of the boys? Yeah, it was one of his mates from up north. I used to, they used to come down to Millwall all the time. I'd yeah. go on the source. Aye. You got on well with him as well. Did you ever venture out to, we've heard about the Mep, they call them the Mepham too. Oh, Alex to and there. Malcolm Allen lived out in Mepham and Aye. distressed the entire town apparently, regularly. Well, I used to go over and visit him, stay over. He used to have a flat at the time and he used to have this massive Alsatian dog in his flat. I'm like, Alex, why have you got this fucking horse in a flat? You know, and it would, <laughs> You'd come in from a night out and there's dog shite all hour. I mean, it's not the dog's fault. And then you stand in it, you get in the bed and you wake up next morning, you're like, what the fuck is that smell? Fucking dog shite everywhere. You're like, fucking hell, Alex. you got to get a garden, man. So I think he took the advice and bought a house after that. But a fucking dog. You know that dog used to sit in the front seat, right? 
when he's he's misses you to drive and drive Alex all over the place. I think he lost his fucking license, I think. So yeah, yeah. it would be their last in the front seat, obviously driving. This fucking Alsatian in the passenger seat and Alex in the back. <laughs> the lad just fucking take the piss wherever he went. And if Alex tried to get in the front seat, the dog would be like, fucking. it's like, fucking hell, it's like he's going to chew your head off. He couldn't get near it. I'm like, is that your dog? He's <laughs> like, if it is, he doesn't fucking like you. Oh. So, oh, that was a, uh, that dog was brilliant. He used to like chew his fucking like uh, leather jacket. He'd come in with like his leather jacket, like only one arm. Like, what happened to the other one? Fucking dog ate it. Brilliant. But we used to, um, what do you call that place where Andy was? Pikey Roberts, was that? Oh, we, we mentioned like Darrell, you said, didn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we used to go over there. To, I think it was a workman's club. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I remember once we're, we're all like, uh, I don't know what it was, some event. So there's me, usual Pikey, Alex, Malcolm, usual mob. And uh, I think some our last was, yeah, yeah, trouble. So we're dancing. Our last is dancing with, I think, with uh, Pikey. And uh, they both had a few. The next thing you know, I'm fucking this like commotion. I turn around. Pikey's only fucking fell. And she's gone into the band. So she, she's basically, he's basically fucking, he had to save himself. So he's pushed her. She's gone head over tit into the drum kit. The fucking band's all over the place. I said to Alex, I'm like, I think it's time to get out of here. Fucking hell, it was an absolute disaster. Well, that was a standard night over there, you know? Uh, <laughs> I said to you that, um, that the, uh, the football was great. Obviously, player of the season that year as well, but all these all this other stuff that we find out, it just fascinates me, especially as obviously being, being a youngster at the time. And you was, um, you come highly recommended for plenty of stories like this. You know, I can see you oh, yeah. in your head. I can see a few more ticking now. Yeah, there's plenty. There's a lot. But uh, and it's nice to go down memory lane as well because, like I say, it was great time for football. Great lads, I mean, proper proper lads, and uh, just really enjoyed Millwall. I remember being in the Seychelles, right? I was at a mate's wedding, Lee Norgan, who played for Wales and Grimsby and all. I think Cardiff. Fucking, I'm having breakfast in the Seychelles, right? I think I'm just recovering with a little fucking, you know, little something in my hand. Bloke wanders over. This fucking fella was the size of a house. I went, hello, there's going to be trouble here. I said, who the fuck's that? I said, fucking... He went, hey, Aidan Davison. I went, yeah. He went, fucking well done, son. I went, what would I, what would I do now? He says, I'm a fucking Millwall supporter. Well done. And then just fucking left. I went, fucking hell. Just go change my fucking trousers. Fucking hell. I don't know who it was, but he's frightened the shit out of me. He said, I fucking watch you. Well done, son. We, we do fucking get everywhere, brilliant. mate. The Millwall fans everywhere. Fucking say, Shells. I'm like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, it was class. So, good times, mate. Good times. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, you finished that season. You, you played every <clears> game other than when you was injured. The last game of the season, Casey Keller made his debut. Um, so, going into, obviously, that yeah. next season, we've got Brian Horn, maybe, you know, suffering from injuries, but Mill legend, playing the top flight for the club. Keith Brannigan, yeah. yourself, and Casey Keller. But you start the next season, the 92-93, you start as number one in a 3-1 loss at Watford. So, yeah. you know, in the summer, you must have had another good pre-season in Aberystwyth, wherever it's called. Yeah, Aberystwyth. Well, Mick used to take us to Ireland then. So, Bruce was, uh, later when he got the Bolton job, he'd take, always take it to Scotland because of his Scottish connections. But when Mick took over, it was always, he'd take us to Cork or wherever. Um, and yeah, pre-season was good. I think we did go to Cork, actually. Aye, we did, aye. Um, I think we all got in trouble as well. Breaking curfew. Fucking Mick was behind a curtain. Like, uh, sorry, uh, we we lost time. Fuck you know. He went bananas. I don't forget. Mick says he, he pulled us. All the lads who came in late. He says, 
I'll fucking see you when I get back to Millwall. Oh, okay, okay. So he pulled us in his office. He's like, I want a fucking bag of sand on that desk, cash. Otherwise, I'm going to go fucking mental. And in those days, you just fucking, oh, God, okay, no problem. Just fucking stuck the ground there. That probably went in his fucking pocket, bastard. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. He's fucking waiting behind the curtain. Fucker. Oh, we had us a few pints. I'm like, you bastard. But anyway, yeah. He's just ever made. Yeah, probably. Yeah, well, there was a few of us, so there was probably eight of us, so that's eight bags of sand, isn't it? You know what I mean? I, I paid for his holidays. Um, so, yeah, that, I had a good pre-season. Struggled with the back pass, though, you know? So I, I lacked consistency, which is every manager's nightmare, you know, if you've got someone who you, you don't know if he's going to be a seven out of ten every week. Um, and fair play to Casey, you know, good athlete. And he got in the team um, and Mick fancied him. So Mick didn't fuck about. He basically said, listen, Bruce is at Bolton. Um, he's called me once year. I said, yeah, no problem. Um, mm. And we just shook hands. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't any fucking issues. Super shook his hand and, out, you know, and I left and I drove up to Bolton to see Bruce, you know. But mm. I, I thought Casey did a great job. I, I, Watched him through his career. I thought he got better and better. Um, and he, yeah, I thought he did a fucking great job at, at Millwall. He sort of found himself, didn't he? Because that was his first. Uh, yeah, you yeah know. he came over from, he, I've had him on the show as well. Yeah, he came over from the University yeah. of Colorado or something, oh, I think. And then, um, yeah. Some yeah, mullet, that guy, didn't he? You see, you had, a, you had a barnet. He had a hell of a barnet, didn't he? Oh, he had a shocker. Absolute <laughs> shocker. And by the way, he hasn't got any now. It's all, it's fucking hell. Seen it? Yeah. He's, on, he's on the television over here. And I'm like, fucking hell, Casey, man. What's happening with that? But yeah, he's all right. He's all right. Yeah, so you literally, you played the first game against Watford, yeah. second against Leighton Orient, which was a League Cup, and then you didn't feature again until your last ever game for the club was uh, a 1-1 draw White Pulse within the Anglo-Italian Cup. Remember that? The Anglo-Italian Cup? That's a weird tournament. Oh, of course That's I do, yeah. Tournament. Yeah, I know. It was unbelievable, wasn't it? We used to go to Italy. I'm going, what are we doing here? Just drinking cappuccinos. And then it's fucking unbelievable, like weird. Um, but it was a good experience actually, because you'd be going to places where you wouldn't be going to, unless you were playing international football, you know. Oh. So we, we had some good trips. Um, you learned a lot though. Some dirty bastards over there with oh, regard yeah. to like a little bit naughty. I thought, oh hello. So yeah. that was a good experience as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then also, um, you just, when you left, was it just like was there a fee involved, or was it just was you, was you still, still under contract or anything like that? Yeah, I wasn't the contract, I had a year left. And to be fair to Mick, good as gold, he's like, look, we owe you this. You know, we'll sort it out. Lovely. I just shook his hand, left. Keep not wrong. I mean, he was good as gold. Um, and there wasn't any, like, you know, big ceremony. I said, see you at the lads. Obviously, I stayed in touch with them. You know, by that time, I could afford a mobile phone. So I stayed in touch with them. And, um, you know, I just headed up north to Bolton. And that was the end of it. But, Got great memories. I've always looked at the results. I was, I was a bit upset when they left. The you know the old den. Yeah. It's like you know what I mean. It, that, that that place was amazing. It was fucking special, wasn't it? Yeah. Whenever my uncle used to come to the games, he's like, I don't want to sit in the seats. Put me in there. The fucking core blow in. Put me there. I'm like, Fuck, are you all right with that? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want. To, that's where I want to be. There's fucking pies getting thrown. He's getting it with fucking open book, you know. But he, he insisted he wanted, you know, he wanted to stand in those days and feel it. Um, but when they moved to the new den, I'm like, yeah, I get it, it's progress, but mm. didn't feel the same. 
It's weird. I honestly, not, I had a dream. I have dreams sometimes that we're back there and they they just made it bigger, but still standing. And when I was a yeah. kid, I remember thinking that we was probably one of the best supported teams. Obviously, 10 years old, I didn't know any different. Didn't really know mm. what the league table was. I thought we was one of the best supported teams there was because no fucking away fans used to come. The first time I ever saw a decent turnout of away fans was Newcastle. They had, had that old back end, Phil Barber. You might have gone by that point. Cross one. Shanked it, went straight in, but there was like, was like 5,000 Geordies behind the audit road in. But there was never mm. any away fans in that corner. I didn't think like other teams didn't have many supporters, but I just obviously didn't fancy coming no. to the end, did they? No, no, not at all. No, I, I missed that one today. I'd stay home. No, no, people just they didn't want to come because obviously, you know, in those days, it could be naughty. That was like a, a cultural thing, wasn't it? With, with um, all that stuff going on. But no, fuck, it was great. I loved it. The fucking atmosphere was brilliant. It was like, like it would make your, the hairs in your neck stand up when you went out. And you, you knew also, that, you know, you played for Millwall, but if you didn't do it, you get fucking hammered. You had to produce, you know, otherwise they'll, they'll be naughty with you as well. So it sort of made you even more aware of your surroundings. Mm. But like I say, that the new den, I played there a few times for other teams. And I always thought, fucking hell, I'm, I'm a bit old school, me. It's like, like Highbury, you know, I, I love Highbury. Well, I'll tell, yes. tell you, I know another club you play for later down the line. It's one of my favourite grounds, Bradford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pitch looks is like grew there, buddy, parade, doesn't it? it? Looks like grew there in between. Yeah, the yeah, it. it's yeah proper. Yeah, I enjoyed my time there, and it was the same. Like it was tight. You could feel the atmosphere. It's like you remember QPR as well. It's that was the same. The yeah. fans are right on top of you. The pitch was nice, and you could hear everything. It almost like made you more aware of it. Mm. You know, these new stadiums, I'm like, fucking hell, he's so far away. I you know what I mean? I fell in love with football when I went to like Sunderland and you could stand right by the side of the, the pitch and like irrigated run past. And you're like, you could fucking smell the liniment he had on his legs. And you're going, oh, fuck. And he's like, fucking big legs and you the sweat. And you're going, fucking hell, this is proper. It's like yeah. they're going into battle. So that's how I fell in love with football. But now it's like, fucking hell. I went to the Stadio Olimpico to watch uh, fucking Rome, Roma against Juve. Uh, Great atmosphere, but you need fucking binoculars to see the game, you know? But it's running track, isn't they? Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, nah. So give me the old tight grounds, you know? I like all that. Yeah, mate. It seems like from your working class background, although you're fucking miles away from, from Millwall, where he was geographically, you really got, got the clubs, you know what I mean? Due to, you'd say, similar backgrounds. Yeah, definitely. Working class. Honest, you know? You do it on a shift. You're, you're fine, you know, yeah. which is what I was in my career. Probably wasn't blessed with talent. I just, I knew how to graft and I, you know, stuck my head in, try to do an honest day's work. If you throw a right-hander as well, it helps as a middle fan and obviously you, you could as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been on receiving then a few of them. <laughs> Absolutely. You had a good career, mate. I say you played Bradford, you had a good time at Colchester, Grimsby, but now what are you up to these days? Well, I just finished. Well, I've, I've been coaching. That was a natural evolu evolution. You know, I, I started coaching at Colchester. Uh, got a young kid in the team called Dean Gurkin. Then I retired in uh, 2008. Um, spent a bit of time with the family. Went back to Hull City as reserve team manager with Phil Brown. Built that relationship up. He was my captain at Bolton. So that was the, the connection. Um, and then I had two years in uh, Arizona. Built a couple of like non-league franchises, some really good fo footballers in Arizona, like under the under the radar, like a lot of Hispanic players. Mm. So I had two great years in Arizona. 
And then I had a couple of years in India with Brownie. He was a gaffer. Um, oh, went out there and um, really enjoyed it. And then COVID's come along. So that's been shut down for two years, a year and a half anyway. Yeah, so, I've got your number off Tony Warner. And Tony was, yeah, that, Tony. He, he was coaching Chennai. Was it Chennai he was coaching? Was that yeah. he, he was with um, John Gregory? Was that the same sort of time he was at? Yes, there? it was. Absolutely right. Yeah. I, yeah. You're spot on. Um, and then Owen Coyle took over at Chennai. Well, I think John won it with Chennai, actually. They did. And then, they um, did, yeah. yeah. But it's some decent football over there. Uh, Tony, uh, Tony was at Hull when I was there. He was he was uh, one of the keepers there. I think we had three at the time, Boris, My Hill, um, probably four, and he was one of them. So he didn't get as much playing time as, you know, maybe he should have done, but it is, you know, Premier League carry big squads now. That's how Tony, I found yeah. you. I literally, I looked for like, we had Etienne Bavir on last week. I searched oh. for that fucker for three years. And just Jesus. by chance... Uh, a guy who watches my channel in Amsterdam went into the chiropractors and Ian Bavir was in there having a, having a rub. That sounds about right. Nothing's changed then. He had the biggest legs in the world. I'll tell you a story about Etienne, right? Oh, fucking hell. Now you're bringing back memories. So Etienne, McGinn had moved out because his missus came uh, and he got a house. So the club said, oh, we've got the new signing coming. We're going to throw him in with you. I'm like, yeah, no problem. It's fucking Etienne. So um, Etienne's living with me. Anyway, my fucking girlfriend at the time, who now then I married her, was uh, came over to visit me, and she she says, "Oh, I just got to the toilet." Anyway, I forgot he's fucking in the house. He's in the bath, so he sat on the side of the bath. She, I never forget the story. She says she came out. She's like, "Fucking hell, I've never seen anything like it." I went, "What happened?" I said, "Oh fuck, Eddie ends in there." She says, "Oh fucking no." So he sat on the side of the bath, and he's got this fucking elephant's trunk hanging down, and she walks in, and he's like this, going, "Hello." I can't fucking speak Dutch, like, but I'm, I'm like, Etienne, put a fucking towel on, man. Well, yeah, he says, what is the problem? I'm like, that fucking thing there. She's, she's going to fucking leave me now she's saying that. <laughs> anyway, so that was Etienne's introduction. I'm like, fucking hell. It's not normal. Yeah, we found him, like, it took three years with you. I was watching, I was watching, say, your, your ex-teammate from Bolton, Mark Patterson, on Under the Cosh, mm. and he was telling stories about you, and I heard a lot of stories. So I paused it. I was watching it on my laptop. Paused it. I thought, right, I'll look for, I'll look for him. Boom, popped up. Looked down your Wikipedia page. Found your link, LinkedIn, but it would have cost me £25 to connect. I thought, fuck that. <laughs> so Unbelievable. Well, 40 quid for a month. And I thought, I can't. I'm not paying that. So what? I looked down your Wikipedia page. Whole 2009. Said to Tony Warner, Hayden Davison, would you? He went, yeah, he's, he's off his cap. You'll love him. Get him on your show. He said, I'll try yeah. and get his number. Within 10 minutes, <laughs> I had your number. Fired in. So it took me three years to find Eddie, and I found you within 10 minutes. You said, yeah, I'll come on up to. Then I carried on yeah, watching uh, your mate on Under the Cosh. He's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Patty, or Gizmo, as I call him, yeah. He's a fucking lunatic, yeah. Jesus. Good footballer. Yeah, big Tony, aye. Aye. Good. That's another one from the past. Mm. Aye. Jesus. So I've winded it back. Sorry, mate. You always finish with the same question. Your, um, your time's at Millwall. If you could pick a standout memory from your time at the club. You know... Again, it's special for me because that was really like my breakthrough, you know? Mm. And um, just, they're, they're all good memories, mate. There's not one. Make me lead, league debut uh, was fantastic. Wearing the fucking kit, to be honest. Wearing the kit because it was special. And people, the punters, made you realise, you know, you need to fucking perform. So for me, when you, when you fucking put the kit on, it was like, ooh. I've still got my shirt. Still got it. Oh, if it's the, I've, I've got a picture I'll send you. If it's the one I'm thinking of, is it like green with black dots on it? Like, yeah, 
Not in the middle. Not not, not this bit here. That was baggy as fuck then, though, as well, wasn't they? But they got wet. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's carrying yeah, around someone on your back. And what about the shorts, man? The shorts were like, fucking cut your bollocks in half. I'm like, what is this? But we used to have white shorts, goalie shorts. That that top, you got the lions on there. It's like fucking brilliant. So for me, like, when I'd go back to the northeast and I'd tell people I'm at Millwall, they're like, oh, fucking hell. It was, that was a special thing for me. Because then you realise that the reputation of the club, you know, the size of it, and um, it, it, it was fucking brilliant. So... Mm. that's the best that's the best for me that's brilliant mate and just finally always finish with this one and everyone goes oh I'm not answering that or oh no I can't do that if you could pick tomorrow go for a reunion with three of your ex-teammates only three of them you can roll around a dance hall pikey you can have Alex raise dog shit all over again whatever you want you're going to take three of your ex-mill teammates though for one last drink who you taking wow fucking hell that's an absolute fucking hell does Alex drink these days nah fucking leave my own then yeah, he's fucked. No, he can drive us. Oh, he probably still hasn't got a fucking license. Yeah, well, he's not coming then. I think Malcolm's off the sauce as well, isn't he? No, he had a couple of beers when I was interviewing. Oh, him. he did. All right, he's in. <laughs> he's just he, he's scraped in. Um, fucking Alex. If Alex was on it, he'd be there. Um, probably fucking Ryan or Maka, just because they're old school and always fucking give you a hard time, like you northern bastard. Oh, all right, yeah, I love you too. So you know they were proper. Proper like Millwall, so um, yeah, those two fuckers have come just because I like to fucking listen, listen to the stories. Yeah, well, mate, listen, you come highly recommended. You've had some fantastic stories, and I really appreciate your time. Pleasure, Dan. Absolutely brilliant, mate. Legend, mate. I'll, I'll send the uh, edited version to you if you want to watch it, and then it's up to you, mate. But yeah, thanks, mate, so much. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Thanks, mate. I really enjoyed it. It's great to go down memory lane and uh, send us that picture of that will... dodgy keeper's top. Yeah, I'll send Love it now. It. All right, mate. Thanks a lot, Paul. Top man, mate. Thank you. Cheers. So long, mate. Bye-bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.